welcome to the Birth Nurses Podcast. I'm Shana Brickner from Preparented, and I'm joined by my co-host Liz Baker-Wade from Birth and Beyond in Santa Monica. We are the Birth Nurses. In this podcast, we talk about birth and nursing practice and labor and delivery, and in a broader sense, the whole world of nursing too. From two women who have been on both sides of the birthing bed, we've got some things to talk about that will enhance your understanding of birth. Whether you're a first-time pregnant parent, a parent to one or more babies, or a professional in the birth world, this podcast is for you. Join me and Liz and special guests as we share and learn from each other here on the Birth Nurses Podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Liz and Shana. And we are the Birth Nurses. And today we're going to continue on with our little birth bits and breastfeeding bits. And Shana is going to talk a little bit about a situation that she uh, helps women who are lactating with. Mm-hmm. Shana, tell okay, me Okay, so I've had several clients, but I'm specifically thinking about one of my clients. I went to her home and she opened her freezer and her whole freezer was packed to mm. the brim with bags of breast milk. And I was like, this is a lot of milk. And she's like, Shayna, you don't even understand. My mother-in-law and my mom have freezers that are full of my breast milk too. And I'm thinking of buying another external like freezer, like a portable freezer to put my breast milk. I have so much. So I have a question. Yeah. I know breast milk can only be in the refrigerator for a certain amount of time unless they're in a specific deep freeze freezer. So she would have to actually purchase a specialty yes. refrigerator. Yes. A specialty deep okay. freezer. So yeah, in the freezer, it can last for six to 12 months. Mm-hmm. It's best around the six month mark, but it's not like it goes bad at the 12 month mark, it just, if it's in the deep freezer, it stays coldest, longest. Right. If you have it in the door of your freezer, mm, it's right. been exposed to like the warm or changes room temp in temperature. Air. Yeah. It yeah, changes yeah, yeah. in temperature. Okay. So you want to keep it in the back of your freezer. But so what is this oversupply thing? Oh, she had a quite the oversupply. And the problem is you get into this cycle of feeling like you have to pump every two or every three hours. Because otherwise your breasts are so full that you're uncomfortable and you're afraid of getting engorged or clogged ducts. But when you tell your body, oh, empty so often, like I need to empty all this milk, your body says, I have to create more milk to refill what was removed. Just like going to an ice machine, you use your cup, you fill up your your cup with ice then you hear the freezer or the ice machine in the background making more ice. Right. Same thing with your breasts. Um, when milk is removed, your your body, your mind, your mind, your brain and your body get the signal to make more milk and you get into this cycle. So this is the supply and demand. It's the supply and demand. So if you are Telling your body that yes. there's a demand all the time. Exactly. It's just going to make milk all the time. So how do there's women who demand. are three months, six months, seven months postpartum, how are they getting any kind of real restorative sleep if they're up <laughs> in the middle of the night pumping constantly? So here's the thing. If you have an oversupply in the first three months postpartum and you never do anything to correct it, you may be getting sleep. You may not have to even 
work hard mm -hmm. to keep making this milk. Your body's on overdrive. Oh, interesting. And so they could probably still sleep several hours at night and not have to pump. Mm -hmm. um, but then during the day, their body's just like making tons of milk. What I help my clients with oversupplies mm -hmm. uh, do is to decrease the demand on their body so that they make less milk. Mm -hmm. And this can happen in a couple different ways. So let's say someone is nursing seven times a day and also pumping four times a day. Right. We've got to cut out those four pump sessions. Your baby doesn't actually need the milk from those four pump sessions, right. only those seven nursing sessions or six nursing sessions. So one by one, we work on cutting out and eliminating the pump sessions and we have to do this gradually. Otherwise, the mother will be really engorged and uncomfortable. Now, there is this, you have to be okay with a little bit discomfort. Right. It's not going to be totally, like, easy. Right. Um, so there is going to be this speed bump to get over of like, okay, I feel uncomfortable. My boobs are really, really full, but I'm fighting the urge to pump right. because I don't want to keep perpetuating this problem of oversupply. Can you hand express enough <coughs> off just to alleviate a little bit or you really want to try to hands off? Try to You get can't. No, hand expression is a safe just way to so bring you can function relief. for the next couple of hours. Exactly. And, so yeah. that's usually what I say is, we either cut down the pump session from 15 minutes to 12 minutes, mm -hmm. and then two days later to 10 minutes. Oh, really slow. Two okay. days later to eight minutes. And so we're cutting short, you know, we're shortening each pump session little by little, or we just work on one pump session at a time. Mm -hmm. And then in that time that you would have pumped, if you're so uncomfortable that you can't handle it, then you hand express just a little bit. Interesting. So... Do you find that your clients who have oversupply are doing this consciously? They want a supply of milk because they're afraid of getting ill or they are going to donate or they're uh, helping support other breastfeeding women or Sometimes, women that can't yeah. breastfeed or is this often, I mean, what's our clientele, let's say in this area? I'd say in this area, it's a lot of anxiety that's yeah. kind of forcing, like driving, driving. this oversupply yeah. Yeah. because there's a, a worry that you're not going to have enough milk for your baby. But if you have this insurance policy in your freezer right. of thousands of ounces of milk, then it's okay if all of a sudden you your milk dries up, which won't happen. Like, it doesn't right. all of a sudden happen. It's a gradual, um, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's anxiety for, for this person that I'm thinking of particular – in particular, she donated a lot of her milk right. to um, like adoptive families yeah. and nice. people who were in a place of like, okay, I actually don't have any milk in my freezer and I start work in a week. Right. And how do I, like, will I even have enough for my baby? Right. So um, she was trying to just get rid of it because she realized she just had way <laughs> too <for> much. <laughs> but all this happened, like those three freezer fulls happened in six weeks. Yeah. The first six weeks of postpartum. That's crazy. So wow. it took a while to bring her supply down, but um, but we did it. How's she doing now? Feeding in She's a moral, doing great. She's relaxed. still... She's back at work. She's still pumping. She's And she's still is trying to use up the freezer milk right? because she keeps pumping when she's at work, right, right to maintain her supply. 
But then the, um, she keeps filling up the freezer. <laughs> but at least she's not but uncomfortable not, all the time. I mean, she I never had to buy that extra freezer, thankfully. And right. she's not uncomfortable all the time. Cool. Very interesting. An yes. oversupplier, mm-hmm. if this is you. Yes. There's help out there. Shana Brickner <laughs> at preparented.com. And I accept insurance, which has... Been the such a game changer ever. for so many of my clients because we can do follow ups. We can do like six or seven follow ups, and it's all covered by your insurance Absolutely. company. So that just makes a huge difference when you know there's help and you know there's support, and you don't have to be breaking the bank Absolutely. to uh, to pay for such it. Such an amazing thing. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Interesting. Oversuppliers. Did you have an oversupply when you were breastfeeding? I don't think it was an oversupply. I used the old fat, this is 27 years ago. When I needed to start pumping, I used the Lactina and it would, made a sound like a cow, swear. <laughs> it was on a piston. It was in a big blue carrying case for those of you who remember this. And it literally went, mm, oh my God. And it sounded like I really did. I sat in the bathroom and pumped and felt like a cow. And then I used, uh, I brought that to work with me when I went back to work. And wow. I didn't go back to work till six months. Oh, wow. So I was only That's really so pumping nice. like once a day. Yeah. And um, I had enough milk in my refrigerator to yeah. sustain yeah. it. But um, I got engorged a few mm-hmm. times. Oh, totally. And that's yeah. for sure. And I needed help alleviating yes. engorgement. I never, but I wouldn't consider an oversupply. But every now and then I would get up in the middle of the night. Like mm-hmm. I have a sleeping baby at the moment. Right. I just fed. I'm engorged. Just I can't, I can't move. I can't sleep. Myself. Right. Yes. <laughs> so I was lucky. I do have a friend. Um, I'm, I'm not going to HIPAA violate her by telling her name, but she moved to, uh, she was a labor and delivery nurse who moved to another state. So you know who you are if you want to come on and talk about this. She was an exclusive pumper. Mm-hmm. And I have met many, many women who tell me when I ask them, are you breast or bottle feeding or a combination? Um, they tell me I uh, pumped with my last child the whole time mm-hmm. and they made a great supply and had exclusive breast milk. Yep. So I don't know if she considered herself an oversupplier, but she had to actually rent a freezer in wow. order to move from between states. Oh wow! Just to make sure, you know, that her supply. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was it was quite a bit of milk. It was fascinating. So I don't know if she was a, if it's because you are an oversupplier or you've created this. Sometimes you do have like milk glands the alveoli are just extra stretchy and just hold a lot of milk so that your milk capacity Uh, is more than the next person yeah or but a lot of times it's created because sometimes a baby goes to the NICU right and then the nurse says oh you need to pump every two hours and they get into the cycle of pumping every Uh, two hours uh, to provide milk for their baby baby can start sucking until their baby can start direct breastfeeding Mm -hmm. so then they get into that pattern so there's lots of factors but my goal for all my clients are to be just enoughers where they have just enough milk for their baby not too much not too little and um it's not a constant preoccupation unless that's what you feel like you supply exactly what your baby demands and needs awesome ask you about the apparatus called a haka and if Uh you could explain that to our audience and yeah it seems like if you're wearing the haka for a lot of time throughout Mm -hmm. the day that you're in a constant sort of pumping mode exactly yeah so the haka or any kind of silicone suction pump Mm -hmm. um it doesn't it's not an electrical pump it's a suction pump and 
it provides suction that removes your milk. So it mm. is acting like an electric pump because it's removing milk that you wouldn't have naturally just dripped out. Um, my my rule about the Haka is to, you can use it, um, but cap off your milk collection from the Haka hmm. at three ounces, three ounces a day. So let's say you put it on, you um, collect an ounce of letdown milk. So you're putting it on the opposite breast from the one that you're feeding from. Right. And you're collecting your letdown milk because when you let down, you leak or you drip from the opposite breast as well while mm-hmm. your baby is feeding. So you're wasting nothing. So you don't waste anything. It's such a great invention. But I have seen that when you overuse the haka, you create an oversupply kind of on accident. Right. And so if you are mindful about your haka use and you cap it off at three ounces a day, then you're not making too much. You have just enough little extra to create a little bit of a freezer stash and you're passively pumping which is nice. You don't have to break out the pump and get, you know, get it all plugged in and set up and put the flanges on and have a separate pumping session. You kind of passively did that while you were feeding your baby. It's amazing, but there might, that's my warning is to. Excellent. Thank you. Cap it I always off. wondered yeah. about that. Cool. Thank mm-hmm. you very much, Shana. Of course. My pleasure. Bye you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Birth Nurses Podcast. If you enjoyed this, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can share this podcast with your pregnant friends or new moms. Secondly, you can write a review and rate us on iTunes. And thirdly, we would love if you would check out our Instagram accounts and websites. I'm on Instagram as Preparented and online www.preparented.com. And Liz is on Instagram as Birth Nurse Liz, and her website is birthandbeyond.net. Thanks for listening.